Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see Him for who He is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Welcome to the B4 Church Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am one of the hosts of the podcast. Generally, I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Alex Lesler. And if you've been listening to the podcast the last couple of weeks, you will know that we've mentioned that he's been out on paternity leave. So we wanted to give an update for you and let you know that um, Alex's baby, Merritt James Lesler, was born a couple of weeks ago, and she is doing great. Um, Mom's doing great. Alex's wife, Fallon. Um, Alex sent me a text and said, they're adjusting well to being a family of six and the three big sisters are loving having a little baby he's enjoying some time with his family and he's going to be back in mid-august he's excited to be back i'm excited to have him back Um, and in the meantime though we've had a lot of super awesome guests that have been able to come on and have conversations with us so last week if you listened to the podcast you'll know we started a conversation with myself pastor lane greenleaf perez who's our youth and young adults director and also tiffany Pugh, who's our communications director director. Um, the three of us started a conversation about sexuality and how the church views that and how we should kind of view that subject as Christians. So we had a really great conversation. And as has seemed to happen very often the last few weeks of the podcast, our conversation was so good that we went for a while and decided to divide the episode up into two. So um, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I would highly recommend that you go back and do that before you listen to this episode. I think it'll just make a little bit more sense to you. Um, although I will say I'm really excited about today's episode. We got to talk about singleness and hear Tiffany's perspective on that. And I think you will find that very valuable whether you are married or single. So excited for you to listen in for the rest of this conversation and hope you enjoy it. Now you guys have open ears listening to you right now. And we're talking about sexuality. Yeah. If there was one thing you could tell people, like, I just want everybody to know this about sexuality, sex, relationships, what would it be? Mm. Oh, mine would probably, so mm. some of the best and most interesting books that I've read about sexuality in the last like three years are not from a Christian perspective. Okay. Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. If you don't like curse words, don't read that book. But it's an extremely fascinating book. It's funny, but it's, it's Aziz Ansari, who's a comedian, but he also worked with a researcher. There's another book called Cheap Sex by Mark Regernis. And yet another one called Premarital Sex in America, which is by Mark Regernis and some other person whose name is escaping me right now. But in reading those three books, what I find fascinating is if you look at, if you look at our culture, all of the things that people are pointing out as difficulties, all of the things that people are pointing out of like, ooh, we don't really know that we like where this is going. In order to avoid those outcomes, like God's right, guys. Like Hooked is another book that Lane and I have both read that talks about the neuroscience of sexuality and how that impacts young people. And it's just so fascinating to me that like, people in a sociological sphere, even a, a comedian in Aziz Ansari, a lot of the things that he, his conclusions, he's not advocating for a biblical version of sexuality or anything like that, but his conclusions on romance actually matched closer with a Christian ethic than you would think. Um, so to me, that's just fascinating. And just knowing, I think had I had, I don't know, maybe that would have made things easier for me as like a teen and young adult of Again, it's not it's not a reward-based thing of like, if I do these things, all will go well. Or if I don't do these things, I will completely avoid heartache. 
But generally speaking, when we follow the principles that God has given to us about sexuality, we're generally going to have healthier outcomes. They might not be the outcomes that we want, but they're going to be healthier than if we're following the ways of the world around us. I appreciate that you're bringing in Mm non-Christian authors and not because I'm like, oh yeah, they have all the right answers, but more of because I think the more experience I have with non-Christian perspectives, the more I am aware that God is God of the universe, Mm -hmm. Christian, non-Christian, and that he is he is God over it all. And as I'm reading non-Christian perspectives or hearing non-Christian perspectives, I'm like, that's Jesus. Like that that's God's thumbprint, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I become so much more aware that God is way bigger than principles or ideals or like the way a book's written in this way from a Christian perspective. So anyways, it's just a God's still God. Yeah. And he's God over everything and his principles are true regardless of whether we follow them or not. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or are even aware of them. Yeah. Right? Yes. And that, I think, is some of the interesting things, particularly from a sociological Mm -hmm. perspective, is basically prescribing similar things to what Christianity would teach. Right. Not because that it's Christianity, but because the sociological and the economic and the relational and the physical outcomes are better that way. Yeah. Which is... It's interesting when we look at the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, right? You have mm-hmm. the Proverbs, which are, if you do this, you will get this. Mm-hmm. Basically, this is how things should work. And you have Job, which is like, sometimes you do all this and this still happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you have Ecclesiastes that wrestles with all that, right? Totally. That's why I think the presence of God in these conversations is so important. Because mm-hmm. even from a research standpoint, you could say like, you know, people who experience or who do this experience this kind of satisfactory sex or whatever mm-hmm. whatever yeah the fact of the matter is sometimes all the pieces can be there and something's still missing or something mm-hmm. doesn't happen the way we want it to and grace is so important yeah uh, god's mercy is so important um okay i gave yeah. you some time you have open ears open ears One sexuality thing. if you could just tell i mean sex is fun or what do you <laughs> want people to know fun. <laughs> all right uh i actually have two things all right one is that nothing about your um, actions um, of what you've done or what's been done to you will ever take away from your value as a yep. dignified human being who mm-hmm. bears the image of God. Can't say that enough. Mm-hmm. Two would be that sex is great, but it will solve zero of your problems. <laughs> um, <laughs> Should we write that one down? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can quote that, put that on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> sex is great, only it will solve zero of your problems. Um, yeah, so those are the two things I would want to say. <laughs> That's pretty good. Do, do, do I need to expand on that second one a little bit? or do we I mean, do you want to? So? I don't I know. Think it's I think pretty so. okay. I think we kind of, we've been talking about that the whole podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. You will still have problems after having sex, well, basically. I think, <laughs> I think that's the why issue is such a big deal is yeah. because in our world, sexuality has become such a big thing. Big yeah. And even in yeah. the church, we've kind of done that where we have, in a lot of ways, blown it out of proportion. Yeah. Because in my mind, sex is both a really big deal and also doesn't really matter at all. Right. Because like it has <laughs> a bit of both. It has physical, right. emotional, relational consequences. Therefore, it's a really big deal. It's tied to our spirituality. Therefore, it's a really big deal. At the same time, Jesus was the perfect person, yeah. and he never had sex. Right. And right. that tells right. us that at the end of the day, sex actually is not that in- right. essential for our humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to your point, it's right. great, but it also doesn't change anything. And it doesn't, 
it's it's not the be all and end all of humanity, which I think we sometimes turn right. it into. Mm. And it, it's it's a gift, and it's and it's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and you know, I to be honest, I'd rather be having it than not having it, you know. But <laughs> we have to choose. <laughs> Thanks, Lane. <laughs> <laughs> having okay. experienced it, I'd rather be having it than not having it. But, <laughs> but it's just it's just one of those things where I think I was told growing up, like I don't know if you guys remember like the whole like Left Behind series and like the Rapture yeah. scare. They gave me nightmares, so I stopped. <laughs> I literally woke up several times as a kid, not knowing where my parents are, thinking I had been left behind. No, like, that no. was like totally like f- crying, yes. screaming. <laughs> but I remember thinking, and a lot of my friends thinking and saying yeah. like. God, God, you can come back, but just wait until I have sex first. Yep. Like, I remember that being a thing. And just I'm like, please let me get married. Like, wait, why is this so? Like, like sex isn't that good. Like, it's not. It's not wait to come back. To wait to wait for the restoration of all things in the new era of peace until I've been able to have sex. Like, right, that, right. That Jesus, just sense. come back when you're in. Yeah, it, I think I think what Ashley's getting at is it's taking this place of where sex is God. Yeah. Uh, which is what our culture says, and even what Christian culture says on accident, and and putting it back in sex is a part of God's design, but it's mm-hmm. not God, right? Mm-hmm. So, right, right. Now, anyway. we've talked a lot, but there are a couple things that have been brought up throughout the time. Okay. I have one on singleness and one that probably really needs to be explored in this setting. Great. Lane, you mentioned this these concepts of dignity and value mm. and in relation to the flower and example and shame and you know choices consequences feelings all the things can you just expand on that a bit of just in light of sexuality this issue of dignity and value so something that god is really good at is is explaining and showing why human beings are beautiful and important. If you look at a lot of the Near Eastern creation stories, like the Babylonian origin stories and all this stuff, a lot of it is born out of blood and hate and strife. (laughs) Yeah. It's hardcore. (laughs) Uh, But the Genesis story is unique in that um, it it provides space where God and humans are actually in partnership with one another and where human beings are actually created in the image of God, man and woman created Mm -hmm. in the image of God which is profound dignity because it sets them apart from the rest of the creation, from the animals. They are something different. They are sacred. Mm-hmm. They are holy. And something that Jesus was always really good at doing was restoring that which was taken. So mm-hmm. I think every sin, every form of brokenness that we see from Genesis, the fall onward, even from like the first murder and the mm-hmm. first rape, like all of these things aim to you know, as what the enemy does, kill, steal, and destroy that good dignity that God gave to us in the beginning. Mm. And so what Jesus does in his restorative, redemptive nature is forgive. And and I think about that, um, I mean, countless stories, but the story where the woman who's caught in adultery, mm-hmm. uh, I did air quotes, I, I realized that <laughs> they couldn't see that in the podcast, <laughs> um, probably staged to look like she was caught in adultery, yeah. right? Um, also, was, it's only her that's caught. Right. And now, the tango the guy is somehow Whoa. absent. Uh, <laughs> really consistent logic there, guys. <laughs> She's thrown at the feet of Jesus, and um, I, I love that, again, this is theological conjecture theologians have been debating what jesus wrote in the sand for a very long time Mm -hmm. no one's actually quite sure what he said but i think that he was writing something that was just for her right Mm. only for her to see Mm. and 
And in that moment, he said, I don't condemn you. And I think that that's what I'm getting at when I, when I talk about human dignity, is that Jesus is not looking for reasons to condemn you. Right, right. Jesus is actually looking for reasons to restore you mm-hmm, because same. he knows who you were created to be. Mm-hmm. And everything that has been working to try to take that away from you, to, yeah. to steal that from you, he wants to give back to you. Mm-hmm. And so I think about people in my life, um, people in general who have been sexually abused or people who have gone down paths of addiction or mm-hmm. people who have given things of themselves away to people that they wish they hadn't, right? Yeah. That that there's somehow this narrative that because I've experienced A, B, or C, I am beyond redemption. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is the, the gospel is so radical that that will never be the case. That there is literally <laughs> nothing yeah. mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. beyond his redemptive and restorative power. So good. And that's actually really hard to, to receive yep. and mm-hmm. believe about yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if we're all honest, we've had thoughts, we've had moments, we've had sins that we think, I don't deserve love. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve mm-hmm. mercy. But Jesus says it doesn't matter whether or not you deserve it, I'm giving yeah. it to you. That's actually right. the whole point. You yeah. don't deserve it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so so mm. when we talk about dignity and value, I think we actually can't say that enough because right. there's constantly this reinforcing that um, because I've done this or become mm-hmm. this because this has been done to me, I am somehow dirty, I am somehow right, less valuable, right. I am somehow less dignified than any other yeah. human being, and it's just not the truth. That's not that's not what the message of the gospel well, and is. And on the opposite end of that, in our culture too, we have a shift that dignity and value only comes through our sexual. Mm. Uh, what's the word like allure mm. so particularly for women right mm-hmm. you're only as valuable as you are sexy right, right. you're right. only as valuable as you are sexy mm-hmm. as you are sexually experienced or able to please mm-hmm. or whatever and and both of those are an incorrect use yeah. of value and dignity yeah in sexuality that mm-hmm. you should feel the most loved in those when you are sexually intimate with someone right. and that should grow the love and the dignity that you have as opposed to making you feel less than or making you yeah. feel dirty or, you know, after you reach a certain age, I'm no longer valuable anymore mm. because right. this is sagging and that is wrinkly and whatever. Like, that's <laughs> right. not, you know, the 80-year-old right. woman with her husband that's been married for 50 years should feel the most beautiful, valued, and love that she ever has in her life, right. even though her body does not look like it did. Mm-hmm. And by the world standards, mm-hmm. she is not sexually valuable. Mm-hmm. But it's a different, right. the biblical sexual ethic right. values that over you know pamela anderson or whoever we want to think about (laughs) which is why i think paul in ephesians leans so hard into the submit to one another out Mm -hmm. of your love for christ because if 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 your relationship is about how ripped you are (laughs) or about how beautiful the other person is that's actually not what jesus came to do like jesus Mm -hmm. came for a bride that was (laughs) tattered broken beaten and pretty gross actually. Hosea's wife like <laughs> yeah. that that's mm-hmm. that's the bride Go that he there. came back for and <laughs> loved passionately I know. loved passionately yeah. despite all of mm-hmm. her brokenness um so yeah. yeah no that's good and I think you hit on an underlying thread that we've kind of touched on in identity mm-hmm. and how like out of your submission out of your love for Christ mm-hmm. or your dignity and value is not based on on sexuality mm-hmm. or job or professionalism mm-hmm. or achievement it's actually based in the fact that you are created in god's image mm-hmm. so your mm-hmm. identity doesn't change so when you're saggy and 80 or vibrant and 13 and it just your identity is going to be consistent mm-hmm. yeah. and i think it's so interesting that you touch on how hard that is to receive from yeah. christ mm-hmm. of a complete yeah. redeemed 
and nothing can separate you from that identity yeah. or that love. It makes so much sense why we live in such a broken society that mm. it's easier to place our identity in our sexuality because yeah. it's a bit more tangible. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a bit more front facing, even if it's not quite right or like mm -hmm. my identity because my sexuality is skewed. That's that's my me. That's who mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. And of course, it makes it complicated. But to begin to step into that space of my identity is actually not my sexuality and it's not, you know, X, Y, or Z, it's actually the fact that I am created in God's image. Right. That is right. my identity. And all those other pieces then can be answered through the mirror of Christ. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I might be wrong, mm -hmm. but I feel like, I'm not an expert in this area, mm -hmm. but I feel like our fascination with our own sexuality and our obsession with that being such a key part of our identity is part of why our culture is so broken at this point. Because when the main focus of your life becomes your sexuality, that's where, you know, we have all of these strange new breeds of sexuality that seem to new things are coming up all the time mm -hmm. because that's seen as such a key piece of identity instead of just one tiny facet right. of who we actually are as a person. And just like anything else, like if we focus on something too much, we become a little too obsessed with it. We get a little too one track minded and we get to an unhealthy place. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where our society is with sexuality. And that's been a long journey the past several decades. Yeah. But I think, yeah, so much of our, of the brokenness that we see within ourselves, within the church, within the world is just, we're so focused on this at the exclusion of other things that we just get too healthy, unhealthy about it. Speaking of which, um, Tiffany, mm -hmm. yeah. navigating a culture that elevates sex so much yeah. as a single person who is yeah. pursuing Jesus, mm -hmm. um, what has been perhaps the biggest l lesson, takeaway for you as a disciple of Jesus, yeah. navigating a culture that elevates something so high um, that you're not currently like participating in? Right. <laughs> as, as far as I know. <laughs> I guess, for the record, not participating in. <laughs> You're like, set the record straight. Yeah, set the record straight, not participating. Um, I think I take away different things all the time, to be honest. And I think one of the most encouraging pieces I've had, as hard as this conversation still is, because in all frankness, I would love to be married. I would love to be participating in that <laughs> part of life. But, and it's so easy to compare. And I think we talked about comparison a bit earlier, but the fact that the conversation is so much more available right now, like mm. it's actually been really re encouraging that I can have the conversation, I have safe places to say, oh yeah, like I do want that. And other, I'm not alone in that process. So even just whether it's like podcasts like this or the fact that you did a young adults series on just sexuality and the fact that we are all sexual beings, just having the conversations mm. makes it a lot easier to be in different phases of life, right? Yeah. Like to be like, I'm not there yet or, I'm not there and I might never be, yeah. but I can talk about it now and I have the platforms to have that discussion. Yeah. And I think that's been honestly the most encouraging thing as I've entered into like my later 20s because the conversation is so much more mm -hmm. often had, I guess. Um, I think to be a participant in society and I think <laughs> for a church, 
historically they haven't been very good at embracing mm-hmm. singles mm-hmm. it's either been you're part of a singles group or mm-hmm. you're part of a married group or you're part of a married with kids group or <laughs> you're part of a later married with older children group yeah <laughs> And then, I don't know, empty nesters? <laughs> I yeah. guess, I don't know. You're like defined, we've defined ministries by are you single or are you married yet? Right. And then are right. you married are and kids? do you have kids yet? Yeah. And then how old are your kids? Are your kids out of the mm-hmm. house yet? And it's like, okay, well, what about those whose life doesn't look like that? Whether yeah. that is single from young to gray or married, divorced, yeah. because we do live in brokenness. Yeah widowed mm-hmm. a separation from kids you know all the pieces yeah. in between and i and i think i've been i haven't felt my singleness as much as i probably could have or could in other circles because my married friends have made me a friend irregardless mm. of my relationship yeah, status yeah, yeah, yeah. and so i've been able to participate in things learning from where they're at in life and mm-hmm. vice versa because yeah. There are things apparently that single people can teach married people. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Right? Yeah. You know, or like, yeah. and not always just for babysitting. Yeah. Like, you know, even though I'm happy to babysit my friends' <laughs> kids. <laughs> how you got this yeah. job? Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> babysitting for an interview. It's fine. Um, but yeah. I think also having the spaces where I can grieve is mm-hmm. really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, grieve like, oh, I thought I'd be here. Right. Mm-hmm by now right is i think also really crucial um to not only say like yes i'm a hope-filled person and maybe one day it'll happen but to say like actually it really kind of sucks today yeah for sure to have that of like oh without the pat answer of like it's okay it'll happen for you or i'm praying or (laughs) the amount of great that people are praying i'm like i'll take your prayers right you know well you know what (laughs) tiffany when i was growing up and when i was a young adult and i was you know dating and stuff or or when i was single i was never single for very long because i (laughs) no and i'm not priding myself in that i had like a deeply seated insecurity Mm. that if i were single right that i didn't have value Right, mm. right. That was communicated to me yeah. very often. And so part of part of my singleness as I navigated that was I'm unfinished. Mm-hmm. And I won't be yeah. finished until, until I I'm get married. a wife. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I wish somebody had pulled me aside. Yeah. And instead of saying, don't worry, you'll get there one day. Mm-hmm. been like, hey, learn how to wrestle with this, right. this angst. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's actually really important for you to do in yeah. your discipleship with Jesus. And your singleness yeah. is a covenant unto God just the way your marriage right. will be. Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody had pulled me aside and told me that, <laughs> yeah. I think it would have had a much more joy-filled, right. like, young adult existence. Yeah. Or that, like, even obviously saying you're complete in 100%. your singleness, right? Yep. Like, yep. that is you're a real actually adult. incorrect, right? Yeah. <laughs> Small thing, I actually stopped saying, not that I ever said it, right. um, I stopped uh, saying, where's your other half Yes. to oh. married people because... You know, I had a professor once who told me, he's like, listen, marriage is not the mystery of two halves becoming one. It's the mystery of two ones becoming one, mm-hmm. which is far more complex. And it right. also means that uh-huh. when you're not married, you are completely whole. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And completely a bearer of the image of God right. by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a community, we bear that image, not just Absolutely. as a married, married mm-hmm. couple. And Absolutely. so, yeah, that's that's something like little language ticks yep. like that. Mm-hmm. We can be mindful of them because right. even though I might say, 
let's say let's say i'm with a single friend and a married couple and i say mm-hmm. oh like where's your other half mm-hmm. this other single person's feeling like oh i must be i'm a half i must be all the time right <laughs> right still looking and, and to us it's like it's like something as simple as like asking somebody like hey when are you gonna try to get pregnant and like yeah. well you don't yeah. know if i'm dealing with infertility no. yeah. you don't, don't know, know. If, like we had a miscarriage like right. it's little things like that where to us it may seem small yeah. but it might be like earth shattering for right. someone who's standing mm-hmm. next to us you know and and there are little things like that where i i, I told my friend i'm trying to increase my my um uh hospitality uh, hospitality hospitality of mm. vocabulary mm-hmm. my no that wasn't the phrase i used <laughs> i'm trying to be more hospitable in my vocabulary that's okay. what i said and I, and I think that that's important for people um as we're sensitive to other situations that are different yeah. than mm-hmm. ours you know mm-hmm. well and i think it's interesting because and where maybe i haven't quite figured it out yet is because so much of scripture and we've talked a lot about it today is God created man and woman, mm-hmm. and woman created an, in a partnership, right, together. Right. And so what do you say to that of being single and saying, well, from the beginning, God mm-hmm. created man. It's not good for man to be alone. You're like, well, Jesus, I'm alone. <laughs> What's up with that? And then you have, like, the whole uh, be fruitful and multiply. I'm like, well, you said I couldn't until <laughs> there's a ring on my finger. So not being fruitful Just and multiplying. Just playing by your rules, man. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying. I'm trying to obey these things. Yeah. Um, I guess I haven't quite figured that piece out of, like, wow, so much of God's heart is healthy marriage right Mm -hmm. is to be fruitful and multiply is to be in community so what does that practically look like being single even though yes you have paul later down the road that says well it's good that you're single and Mm -hmm. that's probably one of the reasons i'm able to be in beaverton right now is the fact Mm -hmm. that i didn't have a spouse and i was able just to pick up and move within a couple weeks and so there is that those benefits but at the same time, you have God's heart. It's a balance of this, like God's mm-hmm. heart for marriage. I'm single and I'm still following Jesus well. Yeah. And that, and that's a tension yeah. that we yeah. have to live with. And there's actually another tension that goes with it. And that's that in the New Testament, when Jesus gets asked this weird question about, hey, this lady married this guy. He died and married seven other people. Who's whose wife is she in heaven yeah. and jesus is in heaven there's not gonna be marrying and giving in marriage You're like so <gasps> what yeah and that that's a weird yep. passage but i think wesley hill is the one that talks about in his book that that gives that gives hope to people mm-hmm. who don't experience heaven this side yeah because if marriage is something that doesn't exist in right. heaven that means that it's not actually the best thing because mm-hmm. all of the best things are in heaven. Right. And in heaven too, we are all kind of married because we are we yeah. are the bride of Christ. We are mm-hmm. the church. And so all of us get to experience that piece of marriage, yeah. of that intimacy between us and Jesus and being a part of this weird, messy conglomeration that's called the church. Right. Even if we don't experience that one-to-one relationship of being man and wife. But it is messy. It and is. Everything. Hard. Yeah. Everything that is a human relationship is merely a reflection yeah. of the relationship between God and humans, right? Mm. So, like, if we look at marriage as one illustration, right? look at all the other illustrations. Mm-hmm. Father and children, right? Mother, Mother hen, hen and chicks. Yeah. Like, there are so many relationships yeah. that God uses to describe himself to humanity. Marriage is one of those reflections, yeah. right? And so, when we look at marriage like that, 
as it is a signpost mm-hmm. that points to a greater reality, we then don't elevate it too high. <laughs> and we right. say, yeah, this is a great expression of love and a great expression Absolutely. and a great model for how Jesus loves the, the church. Ultimate one. But it is not the only one yeah. or the ultimate one, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I actually have another question for you. Okay. Because I always like practical things. Mm-hmm. So as a single person mm-hmm. who's in a church that honestly majority is married people. I know. Who would have thought? <laughs> we a need more single dudes. 6, if you know some single dudes, <laughs> invite them to church because we got many ladies. We'll, we'll do a thing. I mean, anytime yeah. someone asks me if we have a singles ministry, I say no. I said we have a young adults ministry. Right. Yes. And even if adults. you're past that, you know, like we might be able to help you. Don't but come <laughs> looking to date someone. Though, yeah, no, that's not what that's about. <laughs> Please don't, please don't. It's not a a speed dating ministry. (laughs) It's not what we do. We can start that, but not today. But what does it look like? And and you talked a little bit about this. You've had married friends that have reached out to you. What does that look like? Because I think there can be this invisible barrier between married and single Mm -hmm. of like me as a married person, I'm having a dinner party and I don't want to invite you as the only single person with all these couples. That feels awkward. Yeah. Um, But I still want to invest in you. Totally. So what has worked well yeah. when it's come to some of those differing marital status friendships yeah and what are some things they're like yeah if we never did that again <laughs> that'd be great so good i think it's a uh, a it's only awkward if you make it awkward right <laughs> just keeping <laughs> in the principle if you're feeling really awkward then we're gonna feel awkward <laughs> b as we've said so many times throughout this if you've met one single person you met one single person mm-hmm. right so i um, of the right, I don't like singles events. I'm just yes. not a fan. Like, I, it just, I, if you had a singles ministry, I wouldn't be going to them. <laughs> like, probably not. Um, but I think I've had to go on a personal journey of being willing to own my space. Mm. And both physically of being in a room and then emotionally of like where I'm at in my journey, right? And so I think there is this invisible barrier that comes both from, for now we'll use married and single, but come from married couples and comes from the single person. And there's this barrier where the married couple's like, I don't want that single person to feel awkward, so I'm mm-hmm. not gonna invite them, or I'm gonna invite my other single friend and it's gonna feel like a setup. And you're like, yeah. eh, no, maybe not, it's fine. <laughs> um, and then you have the single person that's like, I don't wanna be the fifth wheel, you know, right. but like, be the fifth wheel. Like, mm-hmm. why Why is that a bad thing? And As I long think, as you like the other wheels, right? it's fine. I know. Like, <laughs> there's tricycles for a reason. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and I think just being willing and having the courage to own the space that you're in and invited into. And so, and I think that takes married people being willing to invite single people into their mm-hmm. lives because there are things that singles should be learning from married couples. And I think as singles being willing to own the space that A, you're invited into or make a space there. I mm-hmm. think just being willing to pop into a conversation where my married friends are at is okay for me to just step in. Now, that isn't to say, and you know, having the reality is that married couples should have married couple friends, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's really crucial to development as a married couple and having other people in your same season. Um, but I think all of Christianity, not just in singleness and marriage, we are supposed to have people who are a bit ahead of us and mm-hmm. a bit behind us. And so, and it's not to say singleness is behind married. It's just different. It's mm-hmm. a different season. And, but you need it all. It's the body of Christ. It's a little bit of a different skill. It's a little bit of a different experience that you bring to the table. And so I think 
being willing to do that. I think putting like will, being willing to go to events, honestly, whether alone or whether with my married friends or whether with a group of my single friends, like just being willing to be active. And I think so many times, <laughs> a married people say to single people, this is one of the best times of your life. Live it up. Be <laughs> single. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you're married. It's fine. Um, but <laughs> it's <for> that. <laughs> right. I think not putting my life on hold. Yeah. to be married Good. has been yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm going to travel or I'm going to move or I'm going to go for that job that I really wanted or buy a house, buy a house, or, yeah. whatever that is like being willing to do that in a season that maybe I thought I would be doing it with somebody. Mm-hmm. I might be doing it in just the community that God's placed me in and he's placed me in a really good community. Yeah. And as much as I tease before about not having enough single guys, um, it's a really good place. Like it's yeah. a good place. And I've had a lot of really good married friends who are my age, married friends who are younger than me, married friends who are 10, 20, 30 years ahead of me, um, and single friends who are younger, my age or older. And I've been able to get to be in relationship with them all. And I've learned something from every single one of them. And I think I've also been willing to be present mm-hmm. in the season. It required that, something of you as yes, well. Yes, mm-hmm. it yeah. did. It, it's a both way. It takes yeah. two to tango, mm-hmm. not just in sex. You know, Gregory Cole's, <laughs> t- thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anytime. <laughs> just to clarify. Um, <laughs> Gregory Cole's, uh, Greg Cole's actually talks about that in his book about how we as a Christian community need yeah. to, if we're going to make single life bearable for single people, mm-hmm. we need to be able to show up and to invite single people into our spaces to yeah. be able to be part of community. And right. he's like, I am basically like an adopted like uncle for like this, yes. my pastor's family. He yeah. talks about how they, he goes over there for like every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, like he always has a place to go so and be able to be with. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I think that that's, a, that's an indictment on, on the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe not an indictment. But an encouragement and a suggestion. Also an indictment. Also um, that. It's fine. <laughs> like if we if we want single people to do uh, to live in a way that they feel empowered and yeah. feel sufficient, mm-hmm. we also need to be providing community right. for people who are navigating that part of their yeah. life. Otherwise, it's going to feel more unbearable than totally. it is. Right. Yeah. I think it also comes down to: Do you actually believe that singleness is as valuable as marriage? Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I think right. it's. Like, that's a big thing because people can say it really well, right? And we have these conversations and we go, oh, yeah, okay, like singleness is, yeah, Jesus was single, you know? You're okay. Paul, single. But at the same time, we say, and when are you getting married? Are you dating dating anybody in the same breath? We say things like, you're not married yet. Yes. And it's like, I've I've actually, again, that that hospitality of vocabulary thing, I've stopped saying that because it's like, the fact of the matter is, they might not ever get married. Right. And it might not be for any reason yes. that has to do with transgender sexuality. Nope. Or, or it, mm-hmm. it might just be the fact that they are in a season and in a calling in life where they right. are going to be single. And it's not up to me yep. mm-hmm. to make that call mm-hmm. or make that judgment. Like, yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's a very personal decision. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I've gotten away from saying, like, like have you met anybody yet? Mm-hmm. Or, like, are, when, when you do get married, yeah. it's like, you don't know that. You have no totally. idea if that's going to be the trajectory of their life. Right. You know? And as a church, I think we need to believe that, that mm-hmm. singleness yeah. is as valuable as marriage and yeah. both have their own value and put our it. money where our mouth is yeah um and our mouth where our money is all the I things suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, th- I think all of it comes down to yep. hospitality mm-hmm. grace love all these have kind of been yep constant themes through what we've been talking about 
I'm super glad that both of you were able to join us for mm-hmm. this conversation or what probably turned into a series of conversations because um, we've <laughs> been sitting in this podcast, room for yeah. a really long time. <laughs> really long. Um, but yeah, I think both of you have great perspectives, yeah. good nice. things to say. Mm-hmm. I think this, this was really fun. I hope I'll both of you back for something or another. But we'll see. Yeah. Thank you. Riots at the at the front gate. <laughs> right, I know. If we get canceled <laughs> after this podcast, we will know. The people will speak. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for listening to us today, wherever you are. Um, we are so thankful. If you found this podcast helpful, feel free to pass it on to someone, whether you share it on social media, send it to an email, call your grandma, tell her she should listen, whatever that looks like. Um, that's one of the best ways that we get more people listening to the podcast. If you want to ensure that you never miss an episode, make sure that you are subscribed to the Before Church podcast on either iTunes or Spotify. We will see you guys next week. <laughs>